What is something that you're always searching for more of? Is it time? I think I might have guessed it. And when we become mothers, time becomes even more precious and fleeting. You might find yourself asking things like, how do I make time for myself? Is that even possible? Or how am I going to have time to get a nursery set up when I feel sick 24-7? How the heck am I going to have a schedule when newborns are so unpredictable? Or how am I going to have time for anything when I end up going back to work? These are just some of the questions that may be going through your mind during each of the trimesters. But today, you are in luck because I have the master of time management here to give us the answers. Anna Dearman Cornick is your time management coach. She's also the host of the podcast, It's About Time. And of course, she's a mom of two. She has been there through each trimester twice, so she knows firsthand just how hard it can be to manage your time as you become a mom, and even when you're adding a second child. She's a wealth of information when it comes to managing time. She has truly transformed my world already, and she's especially good when we talk about family life, self-care, and our professional world. When Anna was postpartum with her first child, her idea of what an accomplishment was drastically changed from the previous successful, productive businesswoman that she had been to suddenly feeling as if she had, as she says, gotten nothing done in a day. Today, we'll learn how she shifted her perspective of accomplishment and was able to take back control of her time as a new mom. And she did this by using specific tricks and tools that she'll tell you today so that you can take back that control as well. You're listening to the Mamas in Training podcast, giving aspiring and expecting mamas guidance and community from moms who've been there. And I'm your host, Jessica Lorian, but I'm not yet a mom. An autoimmune disease delayed my journey into motherhood, so... I've made it my mission, while I heal, to learn with you all about motherhood. So together, we can be as prepared as possible. And today, we are taking back control of time. Now, I hope that you're making the most of your time and listening to this while you're traveling, cooking, or going for a walk, so you won't be able to take notes. No worries, I got you covered. Just click on the link in the show notes when you're done to find everything that we talk about today. And now, as Anna says, it's about time we get on to the show. I am not a mom who's been great at keeping a baby book, but what I have kept up with is this very special sentence a day journal that allows me to write down a few sentences from each day. And if I look back in that first year, specifically, I can tell you if you turn to July of 2019 when Camilla was four or five months old, there were days all I would write down was, I got nothing done today. I did nothing today. I feel so overwhelmed. Or a day where my sentence was, Camilla cried and cried, and then I cried. Am I ever going to figure this out? It's interesting that your sentence would be based on, I got nothing done today, right? Yeah. I mean, you kept a child alive and 
you educated a child and you fed a child. So in fact, you did like way more than the average person on this planet. But how did it feel at that moment, feeling like you got nothing done? I mean, that's what you wrote down. Perspective is a crazy thing. When you're ambitious and you're used to knocking out to-do lists and keeping your house clean and keeping yourself clean and, and mm-hmm. you know, managing so many different things. So my background is actually in crisis communications and government affairs. Before I jumped into the world of coaching, I was managing crises and reputational issues on behalf of clients. I was on demand. And then when you have a baby and you go from almost... 90 to nothing, you almost have to reshape your personal expectations of what an accomplishment is. And so when I look back on those days in July, I was in that transitional place of reshaping what my personal expectations are. And not too long after that, I began the shift to today I went for a walk in the neighborhood. It was a beautiful day. It's all about reframing and when everything shifts to almost a standstill, your achievements look very different. Did you put anything in place to change your perspective or was it just a matter of I'm going to make this shift? Yeah, so there were two things that I did that helped me change my perspective. One was an evolution of something that I had done for a long time as a professional, which was choosing my daily top three. You know, every morning I would start the day by choosing a top three, which are the the three most important things for me to accomplish that day. Um, The things that help me move my goals forward, just the, the most important things. Instead of doing a top three, I made a top one. I went from a top three to a top one. And if I got that top one thing done, then it was a win. And then the next thing that I did was instead of writing a to-do list for the day, I wrote a ta-da list. I I love that. (laughs) I wrote down the things that I did after I did them because it was in writing down what I did that I recognized that I was doing so much more then I realized that I was actually, I wasn't doing nothing. I was doing so much. I was feeding my baby. I was helping her with tummy time, going on walks. I was making snacks. I was taking a shower, you know? And then when you actually, (laughs) you know, count the things that you've done and look at those things that you've done and think of all of them as wins versus making a to-do list and looking at the unchecked items as losses, it really, I mean, it can really help someone who has that achiever mindset reframe their day. Time management throughout motherhood. I mean, goodness gracious, we could talk about this for an entire weekend, I think. And when we first talked about, you know, discussing this, we were talking about the five Mm -hmm. trimesters. There's so many different changes that we go through. And especially as first time moms, you know, we've spent the last 30, 40, 20, whatever it is, years navigating time on our own time, you know. So let's break this down a little bit trimester by trimester. So first trimester, what kind of things are we going to expect to change 
And what are some practical ways that we can prepare for those things to Sure. Change? So in that first trimester, uh, you, you've just found out that you're pregnant. Uh, maybe you're deciding to share with others. Maybe you're keeping it a secret. But this is when the fatigue sets in. Typically, right around that eight-week mark, you start to feel intense fatigue. But when you're experiencing so much fatigue, this is going to be one of the first times that you really feel different. And for some people, this is going to require you to be very, uh, very realistic about the expectations that you can place upon yourself. Because when you're exhausted and you just want to go to sleep, that's obviously going to affect the amount of work that you can get done in a day. That's going to affect your physical activity. If you're running to the bathroom because you have an upset stomach due to morning sickness, that plays a role in your day. And so the first thing that I would recommend is for you to listen to your body. If you feel exhausted, if you feel that you need to rest, rest. And that is going to be the hardest thing for so many of us to do. You may still be trying to stay engaged at work. You're still trying to tackle the items on your to-do list and tackle meetings. This is when you really have an opportunity to start flexing your prioritization muscle. And this is a muscle that is going to serve you well throughout the rest of your pregnancy and your time as a mother (laughs) because ruthless prioritization is the key to getting the most important things done. We always are talking about advocating for ourselves. And this is really the first key in that because if we learn to prioritize and advocate for ourselves before our news is even out into the mm-hmm. world, we can get that habit in our system right away. Absolutely. Get those reps in of advocating for yourself. And if you are not feeling well and there is a, you know, a, a, a conflict that affects your work or your obligations, this is the time to begin thinking through, okay, who is on that bench that I can reach out to when I need to delegate? when I need someone to step in. These early days that get your wheels turning about how you can delegate and empower others, that's only going to help the transition to maternity leave. Absolutely. So what about that second trimester? I've heard that usually in the second trimester, you kind of get this refreshing Mm -hmm. energy. You sort of feel this bout of nesting and all of this stuff happening for for majority of people, not for everybody. How does it change or how is it different? So the biggest difference, the biggest shift from the first trimester to the second trimester is exactly what you said. You feel refreshed. You have new energy. The placenta is taking over all of the the baby building. So you're able to (laughs) exist without exerting so much energy. Um, And this Mm -hmm. is the time where where we want to make hay while the sun shines. Oh my gosh, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) This is, the sun is shining. You feel good. You're not so large uh, as you are during the third trimester. You're, You're feeling good. You've got your energy. So this is the time to get things done. This is the time to tackle the nursery, to to do the errands, to tackle all of that pre-baby work uh, that I'm going to tell you once you hit 30 weeks, you are going to feel giant and you are going to say, how on earth are there 10 (laughs) weeks left? How? (laughs) How are there 10 more weeks of this? It's going to blow your mind. Uh, And so... 
like I said, in that second trimester, we want to make hay while the sun shines. Come up with your action plan. You want to begin making your maternity leave strategy or whatever it is. You want to tackle that now while you're feeling great and you're uh, more comfortable. This is when you're going to have energy. So use that energy while you've got it. Oh my gosh, I love that. Can we tell that you're from the South? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So amazing. Okay, so now that third trimester has come in, we're probably feeling a little bit more uncomfortable, getting a little bit more impatient. Mm -hmm. But how can we still manage our time and get things done? I mean, we're probably still working if we are working. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. If you are working, uh, you're feeling large and in charge because of how your body has grown and changed. Chances are the the aches and the pains from carrying additional weight have begun to set in and you're feeling fatigue but it's not the same fatigue as first trimester fatigue it's it's a my body is heavy I am carrying a heavy Mm. load fatigue you're going to be moving slower you'll start waddling because you're getting so close to your due date anything could happen at any moment And so this is when it's time to really begin uh, mentally preparing yourself for what's next. And so time management in your third trimester, when your energy is not as high and when you're not necessarily feeling as nimble as you do in your second trimester, your third trimester is the time to really begin ramping down because you know this is the time where you go back to that ruthless prioritization you note you know what is most important in terms of my work obligations professional obligations community volunteer family obligations and what do i need in order to take a break so that you can enjoy and have that time during postpartum to physically recover and to spend time with your baby. So during your third trimester, you have to time block time to get the actual work done. It might feel a bit like doing double the work because not only are you doing whatever your work responsibilities are, but you're also making sure to take time to plan to hand off and prepare whoever will be filling in for you in the meantime. For those who might not have used time blocking, I mean, for me, it is a gem that I will never stop doing. When my husband (laughs) looks at my calendar, he's like, whoa, that calendar looks like a crazy thing. But I'm like, no, I time block things in. So it's actually very organized. Mm -hmm. So time blocking is essentially creating blocks and putting them on your calendar to represent specific tasks. So often when we think about our calendars, we think about meetings and appointments, uh, and then we have a bunch of blank space that we do things in. Time blocking is taking that open space and giving basically each minute a job, you know, not being as granular as, okay, in this three minutes, I'm going to go to the bathroom, although (laughs) sure you could do that if you would like to. But if you know that in your work responsibilities that you have project A, project B, and project C, or client A, client B, client C, you can block off time in advance in your calendar to work on project A. And during that 
time on your calendar, which is essentially like setting a meeting with yourself to do specific things on your to-do list. So time blocking, what it does is it gives you a very accurate visual picture of where your time is going. It's like creating a budget for your time. So often we make a to-do list that has 37 things on it and we look at our day and we just expect that Sure, there's time in the day for all 37 of these things. (laughs) But then when you actually look at each item on your to-do list and you give it space on your calendar, you're able to create a much more realistic and achievable day. And this is the commercial promo for Google Calendar. (laughs) (laughs) Literally the best thing created in the entire world. And I'll also say, just adding on to that, one thing that I've done is I kind of separate my life into colors. <laughs> so like my podcast is one color, my acting life is another color, and my regular life like doctor's appointments is another <laughs> color. So also, if you look at my calendar, it's organized into, you know, like maybe this is a podcast day and it has a ton of red mm. on it because that's my podcast color. And so it also kind of helps you mentally shift and organize what's going on yeah it helps you streamline because whenever you have a day like a podcast day that has a number of time blocks that are podcast focused it enables you to get into a podcast mindset which is a more consistent mindset than one where you're jumping from this task to this task because every time we switch tasks we experience something called attention residue where Mm. part of our subconscious is still thinking about task a even though we've shifted (laughs) to task B. So we lose critical moments of productivity and focus Mm -hmm. every time we switch from one thing to the other. Absolutely. So in this third trimester, if you have all of these things to do for baby, maybe baby is a certain color. Yeah. And maybe you try to get things done for baby on Tuesdays and Thursdays or Saturdays or Sunday or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, That could work really well. Yeah. This is also a really good time, I would imagine, to start something like a postpartum plan, which Mm -hmm. if you haven't heard it back in uh, episode 104, I spoke with Jessica Waller all about creating a postpartum plan. And the nice thing about third trimester is since we are resting a little bit more and we're Mm -hmm. a little bit more non-mobile, we can sit down with our partner if we have one and actually just sit on the couch and mm-hmm. take out these eight points of our postpartum plan and figure out like what are we going to do and what do we need to set into place so that these desires that we have for this fifth trimester coming up and this fourth trimester coming up are going to be in motion already. Mm-hmm. So that would be a good time for this as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So now moving into the fourth trimester, I feel like now we just flip everything on its head, we lose all control, (laughs) and we have no idea now how to manage our time, and we have this little human that's Mm -hmm. taking up all of our time. So how do we, I want to ask you how we navigate this both physically, like with tools, and then emotionally. Yeah, yes. So the first thing that is important to understand is that for those first three months you will feel like you are in a fog but it will begin to dissipate at around the three month point i experienced this it is a combination of the fatigue on your body as a result of this major experience that you've just had and you are not sleeping 
<laughs> you are taking naps. Yeah. Every the first three months feel a lot like one long day with a lot of naps. At least from my perspective. <laughs> yes. First, recognize that all bets are off during the first two weeks. You just <laughs> go with the flow and understand, just go into it knowing all bets are off. There are no to-do lists. There are no expectations. You you accept that you'll probably be in survival mode. And that's that's okay. Like, that's that's great. It's one of the most amazing, like, primal mother feelings that you can imagine where you are feeding your child however you decide to feed your child you are taking care of this tiny new life and you are resting and so just do your best to let go of as many expectations as possible one of the best pieces of advice that I got was actually from Sarah Reardon. She's a pelvic floor physical therapist and she goes by the vagina whisperer on Instagram. She posted about uh, in the first week, stay in the bed. The, the second week, spend time around the bed or around the room. The third week, spend time around your house. And then the fourth week, spend time around the neighborhood. And I'll tell you, there's a really big difference between uh, my first baby and my second baby. When I came home from the hospital, I thought that I was going to immediately bounce back. I mean, Mm. I thought I was going to be able to walk back into my weekly routines and clean the house. I thought that everything was just going to immediately be back to normal. I, absolutely not. That was not the case. That was a very rude awakening for me. I baked cookies from scratch the day after I came home from the hospital. Oh my gosh. And I was in so much pain after because (laughs) what was I doing? So for my second pregnancy and my second delivery, I followed that advice from Sarah and I stayed in the bed around the bed, around Mm -hmm. the house, and then around the neighborhood. And that worked out really well for me. Fourth trimester, after you've had your baby, after you've made it out of those first two weeks, because the first two weeks are survival mode, decide how you want to approach a schedule with your little one. There are a lot of different philosophies on scheduled feedings and sleep training and uh, how you want to structure your day. As a time management coach, I'm sure it would not be a surprise for you to learn that I am a huge advocate of having some type of a predictable schedule with the caveat that newborns are completely unpredictable and you cannot tell a newborn when it is time to eat. If they want a cluster feed, you have to go with it and you have to be ready for that. But at the same time, Having a predictable schedule enables you to get into a rhythm and to identify what pockets of time exist throughout the day so that you can do things. Uh, So this comes in, in in having a predictable nap schedule. When you're in that fourth trimester, if you're able to know, okay, my baby is typically going to sleep from this time until this time and then take a nap from this time until this time, you're able to decide in advance how you want to use those naps. So this is where we're gonna get tactical. You're in newborn mode. I I would highly encourage you to get either a paper day planner or a notebook. And each morning, 
decide how you're going to use each of those naps. Holding very loosely to those plans, knowing that anything could happen. You know, we, we joke around and we say a lot of times that, oh, I have 30 spare minutes and I don't know whether I should rearrange the pantry or take a shower or take up saxophone or catch up on all my <laughs> Netflix shows. When you decide at the beginning of the day how you're mm-hmm. going to use each of those nap times in advance, you don't waste that nap time scrolling on Instagram. If you yeah. want to scroll on Instagram, do it. No mm-hmm. guilt. You do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But... If you want to use that first nap to take a shower, you know that the second that your precious little bundle of joy goes down, you can jump in the shower and you're not you're not wasting time making the decision. So day planner or a notebook so that you can decide in advance and literally write down how you want to use those naps so that when the time comes, you're able to make it happen. And then make a list of the things that you've done. Make your ta-da list. Write down the things that you do because if you, especially if you are someone who is an Enneagram 3, achievement driven, that's going to show you that you're doing so much more than you realize. And that's not going to be, that's not going to be everyone's personality preference. But speaking from experience, once I saw what I was actually doing, it made me just feel better. And then the third tactical piece of advice I would give you here is to find an app that allows you to track your baby's sleep times and feedings. I was a huge fan of, I believe it was called the Sprout Baby app because not only was I able to access it on my iPhone, but I was also able to use it on my Apple Watch. And whenever I was nursing, I was able to tap the app on my watch and time how long she was feeding on the left or how long she was feeding on the right. And it, it really helped me keep track of those nursing times and those feeding times. This idea of organizing yourself, even if it's a loose organization, I think is so important, especially in this fourth trimester, because it helps us move out of this fog a little bit faster right? And it's like, when we think that, oh, I got nothing done today, like you originally wrote in your one a day journal, in actuality, we got a lot of things done, even if it's a matter of the fact that we used that first baby nap time to take a nap ourselves. Exactly. Right? But instead of thinking, okay, the baby's down now, hmm, should I take a nap or should I get the house cleaned? Should I take a nap or should I you know, make these phone calls that I need to make. Right. That back and forth, there's time wasted there. Yeah. Clearly. Mm-hmm. It really helps us to acknowledge everything that we are doing by creating that to dot list. What a what a wonderful idea to do that. Two two more things that I want to share here for that fourth trimester postpartum stage. One is routines. So mm-hmm. We know that routines are good for us, but when you are introducing a newborn to the mix and extreme fatigue, it can be very easy to want to skip steps, to forget steps. And so one thing that was a huge help to us that I highly encourage new moms to do is I want you to think about the bedtime and bath time routine and mentally walk yourself through what is each step of the bedtime and bath time routine 
And in what order does it make sense for me to do each piece of the puzzle? Okay, so this is going to be different for all of us based on the layout of our homes. But in those early days, I found that I was so exhausted that I would get the baby ready for the bath and I would forget a towel or I would forget to grab pajamas. Think through the routine on a granular level. Whether you chicken scratch it out or you create a cute printable in Google Docs, it does not matter. (laughs) But write out every granular step of that routine and post it where you can see it. Because when you're exhausted and you can't remember all the steps, it's going to be right there. Plus, if you have a partner or a caregiver home with you, that gives them the steps that they need to help you. That is one routine and the leaving the house routine. Because leaving the house (laughs) with a newborn is an adventure. Making sure that you have a diaper bag checklist near your door so that you can make sure that you have an extra set of clothes and a Ziploc bag in case there's a blowout. When you have that checklist, you're able to decrease your mental load during a time when you are mentally and physically fatigued. You take it out of your brain and you put it somewhere else. Now, what about this fifth trimester that unfortunately if like a lot of us have to go back to work or maybe our partner has to go back to work what can we do to prepare for that transition so there are so many thoughts and feelings about returning to work and this is going to be so unique to all of us For some, it will be, unfortunately, I have to return to work or my partner has to return to work. For some, it will be exciting to get Mm. back to that important (laughs) part of life, that, that part of yourself where you're able to contribute to something that's bigger than you and collaborate with others and have those stimulating adult conversations that you've been missing out on. And this is a big transition as you are nearing your return to work you are both taking care of the baby and preparing to hand that off and so at the end of that fourth trimester you're starting to think about what do I need to do in order to make this transition as easy as possible what do I need to do mentally and physically in order to prepare myself to to be away or to go back to work. Two books that I recommend for this phase. One is called The Fifth Trimester. And this this book is amazing because it talks very realistically about what that return to work looks like. You know, this is where time blocking really comes into play. Yeah. Because you've got to be consistent with your pumping schedule, if that is what you're choosing to do, in order to keep your supply consistent. Having a recurring time block on your calendar that you designate for pumping is what will keep you from feeling stressed out uh, in trying to squeeze it in between the other meetings. But you know, another thing that changes when you're in that fifth trimester is that your mornings now look completely different Mm -hmm. because you're getting yourself ready 
And so one of the keys to having a smooth morning routine is to start by deciding, okay, what time do I need to be out the door? Or what's my end time? Maybe that end time is you sitting down at your home office to start your workday. Maybe that end time is walking into your office and then making a list of all of the things that you must do in the morning in order to to get out the door and get to that endpoint. What are the things that you must do? Must you take a shower? Must you get the baby ready and change their diaper and pack their bag? What are those things that you must do? Then once you know the things you must do, make a list of the things that you want to do. Do you want to have quiet time in the morning? Do you want to meditate or go for a run or have Mm. a cup of coffee with your partner? Then map out an order. What sequence makes the most sense? And then assign a duration. Be realistic. We're not creating a dream here. Mm. We're creating real (laughs) life. And determine what time you have to wake up in the morning to make all of those things happen. This is where you really have to go in and use that ruthless prioritization that you've been cultivating and decide what stays and what can go. What can I do the night before that will free up time in the morning? When you get super realistic and granular about how much time you can really devote to each of these pieces in your morning routine, you set the tone for the rest of your day. There are two things that I would love for you to share about the way that you design your ideal week Mm -hmm. or ideal month, but probably ideal week more importantly, and then the way that you also recommend monthly organizing. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure. Your ideal week is your ideal possibility for how you would like to spend your time in a given week. And what this does is it allows you to start with the things that are most important to you in your week. For example, uh, your routines, uh, things like your worship time, your professional development time, date night if you have one. By putting those things in your calendar first, the things that really help you show up as your best self, you're not waiting to see what time is left over and then giving the scraps to those things that are most important. An example of a boulder on my calendar is uh, bedtime stories. So I literally have bedtime stories blocked off, time blocked in my calendar because if I get a meeting invitation or a speaking invitation that conflicts with bedtime stories, I have that as a reminder that this is what is most important to me. Do I want to accept this meeting and not do bedtime stories? It becomes it becomes a decision tool a decision making tool Mm -hmm. and so once you have those things in your calendar that matter most to you you begin to see what the open spaces are for the other types of activities in your life you at least have the lines of a coloring book to get you started Mm -hmm. and then uh, when you referenced having a theme month so think about this it's it's january 1st and you're looking at the edge of a new year and there are so many things that you want to do in the year ahead and we get so excited that we start trying to do them all in january and so instead of stacking all of the things you want to do at once stagger out your goals during the year assign each month a different theme i decided okay this is it this is the year that i am finally going to organize my photos and i'm going to do it in august it it gives you more focus it spreads out when you'll work on different things it's just being a little bit more strategic in a way that makes life easier on you because you know that, hey, I'm reorganizing the pantry in July. <laughs> I love that so much. I I mean, you have 
completely, honestly, truly changed my life in the means of organizing and managing my time. And I know that many women listening who dared to click on this episode and listen to it probably thought, how do you even have time management throughout motherhood, especially during, you know, the fourth trimester and everything. So thank you so much for giving us these really tactical ways that we can feel as if we have a little bit of a connection back to ourselves because I think that's what tends to happen when we lose control of time is like we lose control of of ourselves and our identity yeah. and then we answer the question of the day with I got nothing done when yeah. in fact we did. Yeah. I hope that you keep in mind that time management, the way that you spend your time is going to evolve. As you change, as your kids get older, as they move into different stages and phases of life, you're constantly going to be shifting with them. If I tell you right up front that time management is not one size fits all and it's not one and done, you can't create a system and expect it to work for you forever because we're constantly changing and our kids are constantly changing. And so when you start to feel that friction and that frustration about you know, whatever way that you're trying to manage your time, if you feel like it's not working, maybe it's just time for a change and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So look for inspiration, listen to yourself and know that you really are doing your best. Well, if that doesn't sum it up, I don't know what does. You are doing your best. However, it can be hard to see how well you're doing when the picture of your daily routine has changed so drastically. I encourage you to take a listen to this episode again and check out the show notes for reminders of each trimester and really put into practice some of these tools that Anna has given us, like time blocking, routines, choosing your daily top three, or maybe just a top one, or maybe starting a ta-da list. It can seem a little silly to put any of these practices into action, but they can be life-changing. They can give you much more control during a time that feels like you have none. And if you want to get advice from Anna directly, then join us over in the Facebook community Mamas in Training, where she's a member. All you have to do is click on the link in the show notes, put up a post today, and get even more tips from her and other women as well on how to manage your time. We are in this together, and I can't wait to support you over there. If you enjoyed the show today, new episodes release every Wednesday. So be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And help us grow our mama community by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. That way I know how to better serve you. And finally, I would love to connect on Instagram. You can find me at Mamas in Training Pod. That's M-A-M-A-S in Training P-O-D. For Mamas in Training, I'm Jessica Lorian. We're in this together.